So there's a young man who is obsessed with coffee and he first starts getting coffee beans in this United States Postal Service box. Didn't even have a coffee roaster to roast the beans. So he starts roasting them in a chicken rotisserie. Today, we get the story of Luke Kirtley, the founder of Coffee Hoss. Luke, welcome. Hey there. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, man. Uh, Coffee Hoss is a really cool company, and that interesting journey starts right from when you head to their website. Like, just super interesting flow there. But Luke, let's start at one of the most important parts about you. What is something that you believe? What's a core principle you know to be true after your life's work so far? You know, I really think the big thing is that, I mean, in business, you know, I've worked in a, in a slew of different experiences and job personalities and things like that. And I think the one thing that I've always kind of derived that is most important is being able to foster and build relationships um, with others. And I mean, in coffee, there's, there's nothing stronger than being in relationships. So whether it's me with my clients, me with my individual customers, or me, you know, on the green side of things, talking about green coffee buying with farmers, with importers, building those relationships and kind of bridging that gap is very important for us. Awesome. You heard it here, guys. Build relationships. going to be an important part of the things that Luke talks to us about today. And Luke, if we look at where we're at today, Coffee Hoss, two years old, uh, really significant growth as it, as it relates to coffee companies. Um, you've now roasted over 100,000 pounds of coffee. But I mean, how did we get here? So take me back. I know this started a while ago for you shooting photos at the age of 16, right? Right. Tell me more about that journey. Yeah. So for me, you know, on a personal journey kind of anecdote, it was more so about, you know, following things that I was interested in. And that, like you said, started with shootings and photos. You know, I saved up uh, for a camera even younger and just kind of started shooting around. But it wasn't until about 16 where I started kind of making some business out of it. I would cold call or cold email um, companies, you know, different, different clothing companies, things like that in efforts to communicate with them on offering them some iteration of digital media and uh, in exchange for maybe some merchandise, things like that, you know, it was a good way for me to make a value out of what I did um, and for them to really kind of create a situation where they could get something yet have a low risk uh, in doing so, you know, not signing a W2 or a 1099 or things like that. Um, so, you know, I did that for a good amount of time and ended up working with over a hundred different companies um, during that kind of experience. And um, from there, I continued on living my regular life, uh, going to high school until I was reached out uh, again by a company that I used to shoot photos for who then actually had me manage all of their social media. And that was in uh, Napa, California. So, you know, I was doing a lot of kind of remote communications with them while also managing three different companies' brands. Um, and soon after that, I was actually hired by a management firm who worked a lot with uh, the MLB. So I was working with a lot of uh, major league players out in Arizona, out in Scottsdale during spring training, uh, 
kind of helping them with their personal branding as well. So those individual players who are going from, you know, the minor leagues to the major leagues, we would communicate with them the importance and the nuances of a brand that, you know, like Adidas or Nike and how to really directly communicate those messages. So that being said, um, it didn't occur to me that I wanted to work in coffee until quite recently after those two years or before those two years. And so once those two years came around, you know, I, I found this kind of interest, especially like, you know, when cold brew was just kind of bumping up, I, I ended up doing that with some coffee that I had at home. And I was like, okay, like, this is pretty good. This is pretty interesting. This whole kind of world that is coffee. And, you know, I was still going to school at this time. I was a, I was an undergraduate at Grand Valley State, living downtown Grand Rapids when I learned kind of like that I wanted to do this. So, you know, deciding to build a corporation in Detroit, but going to school in Grand Rapids was a bit strenuous. You know, I mean, ever since I graduated, every single weekend was driving back to Detroit. Um, so, you know, the miles on my car were definitely strong, mm-hmm. but um, that being said, you know, it was a lot of research, a lot of time put into kind of building the bones and the structure of the company. And then after that, the, the big thing is, you know, we were focusing on building these relationships. We were working with, you know, kind of like the individuals, the starters and things like that. And it all started with, you know, kind of trying to communicate with these farmers, like I said. So the big thing for me was earlier on, I had gotten a partner on this business and he was actually able to introduce us to some counterparts in Mexico. Like you said, you know, we had found a farmer down in Chiapas, Mexico, which is kind of right on the border of Guatemala, Mexico. And we were then producing, having them produce beans. And then we were driving the coffee um, from the southern tip of Mexico up along over the border and then shipping it to, from California to Michigan um, in, like you said, the USPS boxes, you know, they were like the longer ones. Uh, maybe you could fit like a small guitar in those kind of boxes. <laughs> so we were getting, you know, uh, like 50 pounds of coffee at a time. Um, and, you know, the big thing was we, we didn't have the means or the funds to be able to throw together this like crazy operation. You know, a lot of coffee roasting companies around here have a pretty significant startup uh, kind of in terms of capital, just a nice uh, cushion because, you know, those coffee roasters, they go anywhere, 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000, depending on what you are looking to invest. And, you know, we just didn't have that. I was 18, 19. Um, and it was just me at the time. So we, uh, for sampling purposes, you know, we were giving a lot of coffee out and that's okay. You know, like it's obviously a very big marketing thing to do is to get people to taste and everything like that. But what we were doing, like you said, was we were roasting on a rotisserie. And so how that works is there was this like kind of metal cage that came with this uh, total like rotisserie that we had. And it was kind of like a metal drum, perfect, kind of mimicked the the idea of what a coffee roaster did. And, you know, this, is, this isn't this is new, you know, 
there are some people who kind of do this at home, but it was definitely an interesting way to go. We had to get creative with kind of how we ended up managing this and kind of like changing the profiles and things like that. And, you know, it was a really interesting way to start because it got us really close with kind of like how those beans transform from, you know, a green agricultural product to what we now know is roasted coffee. So, you know, that was the big kind of the, the early stages. And from then on, it was kind of just really focusing, like I said, on building those relationships and communicating accurately the needs of those around me and what they're really looking for in their product. Wow. Wild, man. I mean, you could just never, you could never write that script ahead of time. Could you, the way it's playing out right. right now, you could never write it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So like 16, you start taking photos and you're, you know, looking to get product and expose companies by uh, giving them awesome, awesome photography of their product. You know, you get to 18 years old, you're working with management group that's working with the MLB or working on multiple brands. And then like this jump to coffee. Why, why coffee? Was it just that you enjoyed coffee or why coffee? You know, I have, um, in being experienced with like the product design of things, I have this big running folder in my computer of all of these different product mock-ups, you know, tea brands, coffee brands. I mean, everything, you know, different little kind of like things that are completely unrelated, clothing brands, all of these different kind of ideas. And, you know, I always take my time to kind of just play around with those, you know, every week or so. And, uh, you know, I particularly were attracted to the coffee one. And, you know, at the start, um, my startup cost to get a roll of labels and get some bags was pretty cheap. So I, you know, I would took that as kind of a low risk opportunity at the start, but little did I know like how much really goes into the industry. And that's what I would go on to learn for those first couple of months is just jumping into what is coffee and how each coffee company differentiates themselves and all of those really, really in-depth different articles about kind of how coffee works and how coffee extraction works and how roast profiles work. And I can go on and on about all of the different things that the coffee world is built up of. of um, but, you know, it all started really just kind of from making of what I would consider almost like a blind plunge at the first start. Mm-hmm. Really interesting, your progression of like a lot of people would probably enter the coffee space through this, I don't know, passionate love for coffee, the drink, something it's done for them. And yours was kind of this interesting route of you really were focused on or really enjoyed like the whole brand engagement, brand building side of things. And like you said, you had this portfolio of coffees and teas that, and you just liked the look of it. And you said, Hmm, I think that I could build a brand around coffee. Right. And I've always been, you know, uh, confident that I can kind of push myself into something, do something and, you know, master it. And I've always been that kind of way ever since I was very young, you know, whether it was, you know, any type of small interest photography or things like that, I always found it in my self jumping and, you know, essentially attempt to master that. And, you know, um, and even like when I was really young, like 10, 11, 12, like playing guitar, it was all I did, you know? And I, I really kind of pride myself in being able to jump, to kind of jump into these different things and kind of go full force on them, attempt to master them. And uh, I think that is one attribute that I really enjoy is 
being able and being willing to do something like that, even though I know nothing about that topic at the start. Mm -hmm. Love it. So you've got this friend and he's uh, the connection to get the beans in Mexico. So this thing's like starting, it's getting wheels. You're 18, 19 at this point. Uh, was it always called Coffee House? And then if, if it wasn't, what were the, some of the other names? And if it was, how did you land on that name? Because that's probably one of the, one of the more fun and uh, easier and harder parts of starting a business. You get to pick like this awesome name. It's like a child. Right. Yeah. And it totally is. And, uh, no, coffee houses from the start, uh, the first name. And I think the, the big thing for me with that name is, you know, like any other large, large, large brand, um, a lot of those are built off of words that exist in vocabulary already. So, you know, I mean, when you think of, this is a, you know, a tacky example, but when you think of someone like Apple, like the word Apple already existed before they were a company obviously you know the fruit and so what i admire about that and what i think is so admirable about that is that you're now attempting to change the connotation of that specific word and angle that accordingly and you know i mean we're at the point of where if somebody is, mentions the word apple you know it's only derivative of the context of that sentence that really speaks to what that is because for most people Apple now has two meanings. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a very, very interesting thing. And, you know, so we looked at coffee house, which is a very traditional um, take on what most people, especially in Europe call a coffee shop. And so being able to be that brand that represents that entire kind of vocabulary is kind of what we attempted to do with that. Awesome. So you're, you're roasting these beans on this chicken rotisserie and uh, you know, you had never started a coffee company before this. So we can level with each other and say, you didn't like, you didn't really know what you were doing when it came to building a coffee company specifically. But like you said, there's this quiet confidence that you can do anything. And that's why you are where you are today. So you're going for it. Like what are the first three steps as you're starting this business, when you realize, man, I've never started a coffee company before, but I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm just going to start moving. And I know you've already kind of told us the first one, which was you started getting people to try the coffee. Right. And yeah, that was the big thing. You know, I, I remember my first batch ever was, you know, a couple pounds of coffee and I had these little dinky four ounce bags that I was kind of, you know, shipping around like, just we're getting in front of people's faces and kind of asking them, you know, like, Oh, like, what do you think of this? What is this? Like, and you know, I didn't even, I didn't know the, the regionality of Mexico, like how strong certain regions were, you know, harvest dates. I didn't know the type of soil or the type of plants or the varietals or the process, anything that was going into what this coffee was. Um, but you know, we, we knew it was a little nicer because of the price. And uh, we knew it was kind of from a pretty prolific area just because of, you know, it, Chiapas. We've heard that name before. You know, Starbucks carries a Chiapas, a couple different people. So, you know, it is a coffee-growing region. And that's really what we knew at the start. Um, but, you know, I think one story that really uh, kind of woke me up was I was at a coffee shop um, getting just a drink. And I was talking to the barista and I was like, oh, like I actually have my own coffee company. And he was like, oh, cool, like, blah, blah, blah. We got to talking about it. And I hand him the coffee. And he goes, is this coffee washed or natural? And that was a question I was not comfortable answering. 
So what was so interesting about that was that I would just like, I sat there and I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And I think that was the one thing that really kind of pushed me, you know, like to figure out everything about that. Because I mean, if this one barista was going to ask me this question, what else are people going to ask me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was, so that was kind of like step one is figuring that out. And then two, you know, once we did kind of get that information and get kind of a stronger bedrock of what we needed in terms of, you know, information assets for the coffee that we had, we, um, we started getting a little more into giving it to people and getting them to try it. And I remember I left my coffee at a grocery store once. And this was a little later on once we were all set, but I left my coffee there and I left one card there. And what had actually happened is, um, you know, days go on and I was like, okay, like whatever, like they didn't, uh, they probably just didn't get around to brewing it or anything like that. And then I get a call from the head chef at that uh, restaurant slash grocery store. And he goes, you should bring that coffee back here. That was hmm. some of the best coffee I've ever had. And, you know, that, that was, uh, and while that may have been true or not, or maybe, you know, coffee is obviously very subjective. Um, it was a definitely a great confidence booster for me at the start, you know, to be able to hear that, like, okay, maybe I do have something a little unique going on. And, you know, as time goes on, like it, you get, you get to understanding as a coffee producer that there are a lot of, a lot of great, um, a lot of great coffee roasters out there and a lot of the things that we do as coffee roasters are fairly similar to replicate, but it is about, you know, those relationships that really differentiate the coffee company. Mm. So you, there's a lot of research that needs to get done at the beginning here and you kind of got that, Oh shoot moment when this barista asks you if the coffee's washed or natural and that compels you to go and do all this much needed research, which I'm sure took many hours. Uh, was there any certifications that, come along the way in this story here as far as like getting certified to become a a barista or espresso machine owner or operator? Yeah. So there's a bunch of certifications that come with um, kind of being able to offer different things to different people. And, you know, there are, there's, I would kind of fit this into two different categories. You know, there's different certifications for green coffee. So, you know, fair trade, organic, all those kind of certifications, which are always good. good things to have, but, you know, we like to make a little step forward. You know, I think fair trade certified coffee is, you know, a great buzzword for the industry, but fair trade in terms of pricing is so low compared to what farmers should be paid. So we like to say that we're buying a lot of these coffees off of the quality that they get um, rather than the, some type of kind of arbitrary market rate and what they should be paid deemed affordable for these larger corporations who are deciding that fair trade price. Mm-hmm. And so all things considered, we really want to focus on building kind of like strong coffee relationships that get, you know, our farmers paid for and get everything kind of covered in that sense and give them a sense of comfortability. And then, so that, you know, that was the one side of things is making sure that, you know, we're, we're not, we're not really screwing anybody by doing what we do. You know, the, the coffee industry from the farming perspective 
a lot of times is not a very profitable industry, but you know, it's such a high demand product that there are so many people in it. And um, on the other side of things, you know, we really wanted to be able to provide our clients and all of our cafes and restaurants with a lot of different things. So that came, like you said, with a lot of certifications. So, you know, we, we went down and got certified by Mod Bar and La Marzocco and a lot of espresso and espresso grinder companies as technicians. So we're all certified technicians, which is awesome. Um, and then a lot of that, you know, we have, we've actually built our own certification course in-house that enables us to train others um, in, you know, brewing coffee and sourcing coffee and roasting coffee and espresso training and things like that that allow us to really kind of be able to bridge the gap between somebody who was once me two years ago and had no idea what was going on and now being able to work with these people and kind of fill their gap and kind of train them to be those coffee professionals that they would want to be. Mm. So we went through this period of research and then we've gotten certified and now you're, you're using the words us and we a lot. So is it, is it no longer just you and the partner from the beginning that connects you to Mexico? And if so, like how do you build the team that you have today and what does that team look like? Yeah. So, you know, the, the start, like you said, was with that partner and kind of building to Mexico. Um, and he, he was great uh, or he is great. You know, he's, he's still kind of like a minority shareholder. Like uh, he's mainly a silent partner, but does have some awesome uh, tips and business experience for us. He also started a business at a really young age, which was awesome. Um, but so with that, you know, he was able to bridge that gap between farmer and, you know, us. And that would, that would go to move forward and kind of introduce us to importers and other coffee farms and things like that, which would kind of essentially, you know, move, move that direct connection out of the way and allow us to directly communicate even more with these individuals. Um, to the point of where we've actually uh, been planning a trip down to Costa Rica and we plan on kind of working with a couple smaller farms that we're looking at right now and uh, kind of focusing on providing them with different things. So whether that's a mill, a processing mill, or being able to have kind of a little more say in that production, uh, it's been really great. You know, these, there's a couple farmers or there's, a, I mean, thousands of farmers, but specifically in the region that we're looking at, um, there are, there are a couple of farmers who are kind of lost, but want to get into the industry and have these plants and have the, the farm there, but don't really know what they want to do with it. So we um, we're actually going to be heading down there pretty soon and meeting with some of our importers and um, they're specifically Costa Rica based importers um, and focusing on helping these individual farmers out. So it's things like that, that really have kind of like bridged the gap between where we were, and where we are now. And then, you know, on this side of things, we've been obviously building our team. We have a great wholesale director, an amazing warehouse manager. We have our roasters that do amazing, amazing work who have a lot of experience in coffee roasting. And, you know, all of this team kind of comes together to build kind of one end goal. And that's being able, I think, to be able to provide all of our clients with amazing service on the wholesale side of things. And then being able to kind of communicate the transparency between us and the the coffee that we're buying. And that comes from being willing to, you know, even share the green price. And, you know, a lot of coffee roasters are kind of hesitant to share those individual prices with their end consumer and things like that. We want to be ultimately fully transparent and show you, you know, how we arrive at this number, like 
We want to be able to communicate. This is what the farmer gets paid. This is what we pay. This is how, what we get from roasting it. This is what you get. This is this, this, and this. We want to be able to, you know, increase that transparency and communicate with those individuals that, you know, these farmers work really hard for one goal. And that's, you know, your end cup of coffee. You know, they, they grow this coffee so that you can get a good cup of coffee at the very end. Mm-hmm. So there's uh there's so much that goes into the cup of coffee and I have to, man, I, I got to level with you, but there, there's a, there's a good news and a bad news on my side. So, okay. So the bad news is I don't drink coffee. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I just drink water and fruit smoothies. I don't know why I haven't gotten into coffee. yet. Everyone tells me when I have, if I have a child someday, like I'm going to be a coffee drinker, but, uh, but I have, so there, that's the bad news. I apologize that I'm not a coffee drinker, but I have been a barista before. I used to live in Australia, was looking for some part-time work, worked at a coffee shop, learned how to make coffee, was making coffee for, for others. And I mean, it was just an absolute ball to deliver someone their flat white or their long black, which is uh, names for coffee in Australia. And I learned a lot yeah. about what goes in to the cup. One of the cool things about Coffee Hoss is that there's so much beyond the cup. And so let's talk a little bit about that. And let's start with, you know, you mentioned sharing the green price and you're really all about transparency in the green price and how much the farmers get paid. Like, tell me more about that journey and let's go beyond the cup right now. Yeah. So, you know, the big thing was, of course, we want to be able to give people good coffee at a good price. You know, like you said, like a cafe like that, a cafe that you work in would be a great example of somebody that we would drop off coffee to. So let's let's put it in perspective of someone like that so in instead of you going online ordering the coffee for your cafe you know let's say you're going through 50 pounds a week you go okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pop on 50 pounds this week of this coffee at this price and that's kind of your end goal you get the coffee you brew the coffee it's kind of the same thing every time we tend to work with people who really really care about what they are providing to those end consumers. So what that means is in conjunction to, to just, you know, providing coffee and things like that, we want to be able to provide these individuals, these cafes with, with different service levels. So we have, we have cafes that we've been working with now in a completely new program that we've actually developed that is a little more, that adheres a little more to what a roaster would do um, for a cafe. And so I'll give you a good example. We started working with a cafe in Grand Rapids. And so what we're doing with them actually is instead of us just telling them what kind of coffees we have, what offerings we have and kind of having them instill that trust and, you know, this is what we're going to provide you and this is what you're going to like. We're actually providing them with samples direct from the farm roasted. And we're actually working with them on selecting their next coffee. And wow. once we do find that next coffee, what we're going to do is we're going to be able to roast that exactly how they want. We actually hold the bags in inventory just for them and things like that. You know, we were essentially being able to work with these cafes on getting this kind of great experience, you know, from with all of their baristas, they feel more, they feel like they have more of a say in their cafe's product, which is very important. And then, I mean, from there we will, we share directly, this is the price that we pay for this coffee. This is what we do to roast it. 
this is the numbers that we hit. This is the temperature that we hit. These are all of our statistics. This is our end price. And, you know, a lot of times it comes out a lot less uh, costly for them than us going in, swinging in or another coffee company and being like, oh, our coffee is X a pound. And they're like, okay, like, how do, how do we get, how do I know, you know, how did mm-hmm. we get to that number? And there's a lot of kind of uh, arbitrage between the, the roasted coffee sale price and this green price. And we want to be able to kind of clear that up a little bit, you know, that it's a very obscure topic for a lot of people. And I think that it's going to create a little bit more of a, a liability for coffee roasters. You know, we're going to need to mm-hmm. talk more about the price that we pay rather than, you know, the ability to take advantage of the specialty market and potentially gouge a client um, by buying a really cheap coffee and selling it for a really high price, just claiming, you know, oh, this is, this is a specialty coffee and things like that. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's difficult to taste those different things. And, you know, with our, with our training programs as well, we want to be able to provide people with the, the ability to taste for high quality coffee um, and not be left in the, in the dark on topics like that. Awesome. So continuing to go beyond the cup, you have some pretty cool partnerships and visions, both internationally and domestically. Take me international first. Tell me a little bit about some of the stuff you're doing with, uh, with Meted in Ethiopia and some of the stuff you're doing in East Africa with the Long Miles Coffee Project. Yeah, so you, you hit on two very, very important um, coffee foundations, I would like to consider that. And those coffee foundations are recent additions to the coffee chain. Meaning, so instead of us going from a from an importer directly and just them buying coffee and us not having a lot of communication about what these farmers are getting between that, you know, the same kind of thing. We could be we could be buying a coffee that could be price gouged to take advantage of that specialty market. And so these these foundations act as a little bit more of a mediary. Um, and are able to kind of regulate and strongly regulate those prices. And also with that, you know, the, the farmers are making more money per pound. And that's great to see because, you know, this allows them to provide their farmers with a lot of amazing things. So Matad, for example, a great Ethiopian organization, actually um, sponsors 650 Ethiopian children annually and gives them, <clears throat> and gives them a uh, scholarship every year. So, you know, they're providing great education benefits for a lot of their farmers and a lot of their producers and their families and things like that are really important because, you know, that's one, obviously a great story to tell, but two, you know, it's actually promoting the well-being of those individuals. And that's why they're in the industry is because they want to make a better life for their family. And on the other side of things, Long Miles, Long Miles is a farmer centric farm that works directly with um, a lot of U.S. based producers. So we actually have U.S. race producers down there on that farm in, um, you know, working with those people in individually and kind of allowing them to, one, gain resources and gain growing kind of knowledge and to be able to kind of, one, just really increase that transparency um, about kind of those farmers who are producing their coffee. And they have, you know, an amazing website and amazing Instagram. So I would, I would vouch for everybody to go and check them out it's a long miles coffee project but um they do amazing work with kind of showcasing those farmers who are producing the coffee and ensuring that they're getting a proper benefit awesome and so that's the 
the international side of things. Tell me about the domestic side. I think you have like a, a new factory uh, in the works here and then you're working on some pretty cool training things. So tell me about that journey. Yeah. So, you know, right now we're, we're doing a little, like a lot of competitions and things like that, really trying to gain some more fundraising for this really awesome idea that we had. And, you know, we're, we're one right now, we kind of just have offices and, you know, like our, our kind of regular manufacturing and things like that. We are now moving towards being able to provide kind of our community that we've kind of ingrained ourselves in with a bit more. Um, and what that starts with is I think, we wanted to objectively look at Detroit and how the coffee scene is still booming. You know, there's all of these cafes popping up. There's been six in the last couple months, even that are just kind of sprouting really quickly. And with all of these coffees sprouting, we see, or the coffee shops sprouting, we see two things. We see a need for more baristas and two, we see a more competitive landscape for those baristas. So, you know, I, I saw the other day on an Instagram kind of story, um, one of our cafes was hiring a barista, but it said experience only. And, you know, a, a barista job a couple of years ago even was almost always a no experience kind of gig. And so, I mean, even, even in your case, I don't know if you worked at multiple cafes, but that first one, you know, would be taking now or what people now consider kind of a risk because it's harder for you to accurately represent what their specialty cafes ideals are and things like that. I think I got hired because I was, had an American accent and they knew I would bring in more business because I was this like crazy American, but you're so right. I mean, the, the, the ladies that worked there, they had gone to like through the certifications that you talked about. I mean, they didn't just let me step behind the thing and start making coffee, which I thought was, I was like, what do you mean? Like how hard could it be? But man, how hard could it be? Yeah. Right. Nick. Like it is. Right. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. And so, you know, the, with the landscape growing and things like that, we wanted to be able to provide our community and, you know, our surrounding community with opportunities to use our facility as leverage to get better jobs. Um, so what that consists of is in our kind of proposal, kind of the, the fundraising competitions that we're doing right now, we want to build out a fully fledged training lab where not only our staff and our clients can go, but anybody can go. Um, La Merzoco in Seattle has a great area where if you're interested in buying a home machine, a home espresso machine, you can go to their facility and play around with it and kind of learn the little basics and things like that. But we wanted to take that step further in being able to provide people with an opportunity to really get behind those machines where, you know, previously that wouldn't have been a possibility. I mean, you look at kind of these larger machines, you're looking around twenty, thirty thousand $30,000, and it's just not something that a, an average person can get behind, especially somebody who's looking to be hired as a barista. And, you know, these cafes are, are growing a little more hesitant to let somebody who's not skilled to get behind a machine that expensive. So with that, you know, we've wanted, we want to be able to provide the communities in Detroit with an opportunity to use that experience that we can provide them with as leverage to get better jobs. And that works great for us because we're able to utilize these people, these now trained people as, as another tool for us to communicate with our clients. So we have so many clients who are opening up within the next months, years, X, Y, Z. And with those, with those cafes and those restaurants opening, 
they're always looking for baristas. So we're able to kind of communicate, you know, we have these trained baristas now, these people who are looking for jobs. And on the other side of things, we also have these people who are looking for baristas just like you. Amazing. It, like it's so hard to build any kind of company, but there's so much value and it is so important. If you can build a company that actually can create jobs and in your case, train people for, for like scaling more jobs for people, it's just such a huge economic component. And again, just contributes to your story of going, going beyond the cup and uh, making that a differentiator for you guys. So you've been on this, this awesome journey and it's been a couple of years now. What, like what scares you the most in business or in life? What, what, what scares you right now? You know, I think the big thing is like, obviously the landscape is forever changing and forever competitive. And I think that's really the big thing is, you know, we want to be able to stay on top, but we also don't want to have to, you know, sacrifice the, the relationships that we build or the amount of service that we provide different people with um, by having to put more attention into staying, you know, on top or something like that, where many people may find themselves kind of wanting to do. We really want to be able to stick to our core values, which are building those relationships. And I think, you know, um, as, as daunting as the idea sounds of, you know, not always trying to be the top dog, I think, that with those strong relationships and with building those relationships, that's really how we will build strong equity in the community and then further grow from there. You know, we want people to understand the attention to detail that we provide in every aspect of what we do. And I think people will, you know, reciprocate. They'll be able to see that and kind of understand the value that we bring rather than us um, always making those sacrifices to look like we're the best. Mm. What's uh what's something we'd be really surprised to know about you or about Coffee Hoss? You know, I think uh I think it's just always an interesting talking point um to see like how how small we were, you know, how small we were and how fast everything kind of came up and how much of it was done just by me and just by a couple small core individuals just because like we for a lot of these clients that we work with, um, we, we've always been this kind of company that really kind of takes those risks and starts working with these really large, you know, restaurants and these big scale um, groups around Detroit. And it's always funny for some people to, um, to talk to us and be like, Oh man, like you guys work with them. Like how, how does that kind of work and things like that. And I think, you know, a lot of that is just, like I said, like sticking with those cores, building that relationship. Like it's all, I mean, everybody I think should kind of take it to heart. It's, it's all about being willing to kind of get out there and meet people and talk with people and build those relationships. And, you know, it, it pays off to be a very friendly person. It pays off to have a smile on your face and it pays off to be willing to kind of communicate that. And we, we always want to demonstrate the value that coffee house brings, but, at the end of the day, there are clients that we will not work with, but we are very happy to be their friend just because, you know, it's about building that strong community and about building those relationships. And I think that's the thing is like, even though we, we may would have loved to work with one place or the other or a different client or something like that, you know, it doesn't hurt us if we're not, because, you know, this is a community 
we're not trying to kick people out. We're not trying to mm-hmm. kind of sneak in and get something in a sneaky manner. We just are here to build a stronger relationship and a stronger growth overall. Awesome. You know, I have a, one of my mentors said something to me that is a belief I totally subscribe to. And it is that some of the best things, some of the best things that have been built were built over a hundred cups of coffee. And it's very ironic that that's the phrase, but when it comes to building relationships, there's something like iconically unique about, Hey, can we grab a coffee or Hey, can I grab a, can I grab a coffee for you? Like, can I buy you a coffee and we can sit down? What, uh, I don't know. Uh, quick thoughts from you. Like, how did coffee become this iconically unique beverage that is such so community oriented? Right. And, you know, I think, I think that's a great kind of way to look at networking as well. You know, just kind of like mm-hmm. being able to bridge the gap with this beverage. And it all starts with kind of the statistics. I think eight out of 10 people in the world drink coffee. Coffee is the second most consumed liquid behind water and coffee is the second most purchased commodity behind oil in the sense that, you know, this is a very, very, very distinct beverage in not only U S culture, but in the world. And there's not a lot of things in the world that transcend culture like coffee does. And I think by looking at that, you know, people are able to attribute the, the growth of the coffee industry, especially here with the ability to communicate with others, um, similar to what we're doing at the farm level, you know, coffee is a, a very culturally driven and a very traditionally driven beverage. And, you know, people still are building on those traditions, you know, being able to network and being able to talk with individuals over a cup of coffee is something that's very, very traditional, um, you know, at its core, but something that's evolved into these modern times that allows us to kind of bridge that gap to a person that we may not know, but have them kind of be a little bit more comfortable with you for that same reason, you know, the tradition, the history of kind of what is happening here, the exchange of information over something that is very traditional, which is coffee. Mm, Awesome. So if you had, uh, if you just had 30 seconds and you were able to talk to the whole world at large, everyone was listening, captive audience, what would your 30 second message to the world be? You know, I think, I think the big thing is being able to really kind of communicate with everybody that everybody's so different and everybody's situation is unique. And I think, you know, to understand that about yourself and still be confident with where you are is a very, very good thing to have, you know, not being upset or angry or, you know, resentful of others for the situation that you we're born into or something that you can, you can't control. But I think the one thing is, you know, being able to start where you are. Um, additionally, being able to use what you have and do what you can. And, you know, those three sentences are written on the back of our coffee packaging because those are words that we want to live by is, you know, if you look, for example, these farmers, these farmers, a lot of times grow up with nothing and utilize, you know, their ability to, you know, use the earth to provide them with a product that they can sell. And, you know, they're using what they have. They're doing what they can, doing what they can and starting where they are. And, you know, I think that would be a message that really kind of transcends any type of wealth gap or any type of culture gap, you know, being able to communicate that we all understand that we're from a different place, but it's important as, as a community, as a world, as a group of people, 
to be able to kind of bridge that gap and work with everybody to go towards one end goal, which is, you know, I think whatever your passion is. Awesome. I love it. I love it, man. Wow. Good. Wow. Uh, (laughs) So guys, this is the story of, is it coffee house or coffee Haas? You know, we, we like to go with either. You know, um, cool. <laughs> we, we, a lot of our European counterparts will do coffee hot and a lot of our U S based, um, customers are more, you know, more inclined to use house. So it's really dependent on, you know, who you are and what you prefer. Right. Right. Just like coffee beauties and eye of the beholder, it's subjective. So exactly. We can go with whatever we feel. So coffee, I'm going to go with coffee Haas. Uh, I feel, I feel more native doing that more true. Good. So guys, uh, today we've uh we've heard the story of Luke Kirtley and Coffee Haas. You know, we started this episode telling you about a young man getting beans in a United States Postal Service box and roasting them in a chicken rotisserie. And here we are today. Coffee Haas has a factory. They're training other people to learn the art of coffee to become a barista. They're increasing transparency between farmer and cup and demonstrating the value of a cup of coffee. They're doing it internationally and domestically. So many amazing things happening. And if you take some of these things away, I want to highlight some of our final thoughts here. Uh, And then we're going to say goodbye. You know, building relationships is key and you can do that over a hundred cups of coffee. It is the most the second most consumed liquid in the world, which means that almost everyone is going to be up for getting a cup of coffee with you and a hundred cups of coffee. You can build something great and building relationships is one of the most important things that you can do on this journey of life, whether you're building a business or, or not just building your own life, build relationships. I'm going to leave you guys with the wise words of Luke Kirtley and, and coffee Haas Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You have heard today the story of Luke Kirtley. Luke, thanks for joining us and all the best to you as uh, things progress with Coffee Haas. Of course. Thanks. Happy to be here.